Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoop B and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Welcome to this episode of Triple Zeros. I'm your host, Joshua Buckhalter. Call follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Clocker Sports. The website is clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. Now, as we all know, there's not a lot going on in the sports world. Live sports have been shut down for the better part of two months now. Um, people are going stir crazy, myself included. But that doesn't mean that we should ever stop trying to get to the bottom or finding out as much information as we can possibly find uh, with the goings on around the league. And to that end, I have uh, invited a very special guest on, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. If you are on Twitter like you should be like me, you already know who he is. Um, he's, on, he's at Scoop B on Twitter. But the man is plugged in in the NBA world. Uh, he is an analyst for MSG Network, senior writer for Basketball Society. He hosts Scoop B Radio, writes for Heavy. You've seen him on Fox, Revolt. He's got a BA in <laughs> so much. There's so much. A BA in media communications from Eastern. His master's from jo- in journalism from Austria. You've seen him uh, as an analyst for CMS. He was a columnist. He's a staff writer for Source Magazine, Respect Magazine, and Nets basketball radio host. <gasps> I say that to say, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time out and joining me. Man, you, you either really just dug into my past by doing research or you just had the Wikipedia page up. What did it do? Thank you for having me, brother. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed. And, you know, I, I, I had to look at it because I admire how you, how you, where you are now as an aspiring journalist myself trying to break, you know, break through, um, as it were, in a, a sea of many. 
but you got your start at 12 years old. So I, I, got, I got a late start, right? I didn't start till I was 30 years old with two kids. I'm behind eight ball. But you as a 12-year-old are facing a whole different slew of challenges. Talk to me about, uh, first of all, your experience and how you got to that point of wanting to do this, but also the challenges of getting people to take you seriously as, a, as a, so young. Uh, good parenting helped. Um, but I'm glad that um, it, it started just having an interest in, in knowing my purpose. Um, when you look at, uh, something and you know that's what you want to do, you stick with it. So, you know, it's, 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 it's so topical right now. But, you know, I fell in love with the game of basketball in 1991. Uh, what happened in 91, the Bulls won their first championship. That's right. Lakers. And, um, you know, for me, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, was, was the entry point uh, for me. Um, I said that grew up on the west side uh, and, you know, literally minutes away from old Chicago Stadium. And those guys used to run up the stairs to get to the court. <laughs> and um, you know, for me, like, that was the entry point. But in addition to that, you know, being around sneakers, being around culture, my family ran a, a, a dress shoe store as well as a sneaker store in Harlem. Um, you know, we the only black-owned uh, athletes in New York State. Wow. And, you know, so for me, like, seeing Scoop sneakers. Scoop radio. You know, um, Akeem Olajuwon coming in and Clyde Drexler and, uh, you know, Dominique Wilkins as a kid, you know, like those are things that, you know, to me uh, stood out and, and were and, and really sparked my interest as well as, you know, actually watching Mike on TV. And then, you know, I had an uncle who was a commissioner of, of parks uh, in Riverbank State Park in Harlem. And so a lot of people for a league called Citywide and a lot of people who came out of Citywide, you know, from New York City. So Bethel Marbury, Bernard King, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, Rod and all those guys. So, you know, those were the, kind of the foundations of the formative years with me just being around basketball. And, of course, the NBA on NBC was what everybody watched. And the uh, theme song by John Tesh is infectious. So, yes, sir. You know, all before I was 12. You know, so what ended up happening was I, I auditioned uh, at Chelsea Pier. My, a friend of my mom, Alicia, called my mother and told her about you know, an audition that they were doing uh, for a radio station in Jersey City, New Jersey, the Liberty, States, the Liberty Science Center called Oswald Radio, 1660 AM Oswald Radio. What ended up happening was um, I auditioned at Chelsea Pier in Manhattan. Hundreds of kids auditioned. I got I, I, I passed the test the first time around. Second time around, we went to Dangerfields Comedy Club in Manhattan and went to the second round. I think I was chosen amongst eight people. And uh, we were doing commercials for like the Crash Dummies. Um, and wow. um, what ended up happening was at that time, the Nets had contacted um, that station looking for some talent. They had done a rebrand with uh, you know, John Calipari was the head coach and the vice president of basketball operations. They had Keith Van Horn, who was a draft pick, and Dan Cassell, Jason Williams, Kevin Kittles, all those guys, Kevin Gill. So, um, KG, you know, my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, like, that was the kind of the entry level of, uh, you know, things. And, you know, that opportunity, you know, as a 12 year old, I think it was earned. Um, but, you know, you're only as good as your last story. That lasted for two years. And, you know, only that could be in a normal kid, but still, uh, we're still in the process of just building relationships and doing more. So, you know, it's been a process all these years, and, you know, I'm just continuing to grow. Now, talk to me specifically about Net Slamming Planet. What exactly was that program? So Net Slamming Planet was a show that I hosted with um, Albert King, uh, former Net, former Sixer, I believe, um, brother of Bernard King. I hosted it with him and Lynn Wilson, uh, who was the host of that show's executive produced by Chris Carino, who's the voice of the Nets now, and uh, hosted Evan Roberts as well, who's a radio personality at Sports Radio 66, so, uh, Sports Radio 66 WFAN here in New York City. 
basically um, it was a show where I had a segment called Nets Court where I would be in the locker room and interview players, um, you know, in both locker rooms, the Nets uh, and, and the visitors locker room. So, um, you know, anybody from uh, Allen Iverson to Kimbe Mutombo to Carl Malone to John Stockton to Gary Payton to um, just, you know, Tim Duncan, just a myriad of other people, but just in the locker room, whoever was there that day. And then in the next locker room, all the guys I mentioned, even guys like Xavier McDaniel, Michael Cage, Chris Gatlin, um, just a wealth of different people that were in that locker room. And, you know, I was in the locker room at a time when, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski was covering the Wolves, was covering the Nets uh, for the Bergen Records. Uh, wow. Richard Broussard was covering the Nets for the New York Times and Stephen A. Smith was in the business of locker room covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Flyers. So, yeah, man, that, that that was when I started back then. That's some heavyweights, man. You're coming up amongst the trees. Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> like, I, if they feel old uh, or if I feel old, they must feel old. So, <laughs> Now, that had to give you something to strive to, though, uh, right, seeing those guys constantly and, and then obviously seeing their paths after that. That had to give you something to uh, aspire to, knowing that you were in the same locker room as those guys. Yeah, for sure. I think when you um, have aspirations and, you know, you're in a situation where, you know, you're doing stuff before you leave it, that's from a college uh, dorm or a college classroom, um, you know, that's on-the-job experience. And, you know, I, I look back on it and, and I'm thankful. But I also think, um, you know, I've read this book years ago called Outliers, uh, which is by Malcolm Gladwell, which says you – I think you become an expert in your field, either with the first 10,000 hours or 100,000 hours. I always get the numbers mixed up. But, um, you know, just the ability to be an expert in your field and do what you do, like, um, it's, it's very – it reminds me a lot of, of – of, and I'm not comparing myself to him, but Kobe Bryant was an expert in his field because mm-hmm. he studied the game. I actually know Kobe's dad and I spent some time with him in, in, at a basketball exposure program in Dallas, Texas, and we just talked about – what Kobe was like, you know, early on, like when he was in Italy and things of that sort. And, you know, he was just glued to the TV, but he actually went out and practiced what he, what, what he saw. And I think that's, that's so significant, you know, to have those hours put in even before, you know, you are who you're officially supposed to be. So I, I take that, that opportunity and, and, and I took it and I ran with it. Now, who you are and who you're supposed to be is uh, a person who is, is bringing us the insider, the buzz around the league, the NBA, the association that we all hold so dear. Now, that entails you, uh, you know, giving your predictions, I guess you want to call I don't know how you would want to word it, but your, your take on how things are going to play out certain ways. And I've, I've followed you for a while now, and I see how you do it. But talk to me about how you handle um, when, when predictions don't necessarily pan out the way that you thought they would. I mean, you're human. So I think, you know, there's had been opportunities or situations where I've been wrong and, and people do have the right to change their mind. Um, and there's been, you know, specific examples of that where Kevin Durant wrote a report that, you know, that he was going to join the Los Angeles Lakers. And it didn't happen that way. Some things have changed. But, you know, at the same point, uh, Kyrie Irving did join the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. right on the net. Last year, you know, so, you know, I'll tell you that I kind of knew that those things were going to change, you know, being – right place right time uh in a certain situation where i was actually with both of them and we talked and you know I, i'll say that that opportunity or just that situation you know set me straight but you know even with the Kawhi Leonard situation you know, i can tell you that you know he didn't join the lakers he did come to los angeles but at right. the same time you know there were some things that changed you know paul george uh became available exactly but you know i'll add this um, I was just, maybe I got that wrong about the Clippers and, and, and Kawhi, but I was also the same person who told you in April uh, that Kawhi Leonard, or excuse me, that Paul George tore his rotator cuff. And that yeah. Was, that became a national story until May, 
in July. So, you know, you, you get some, you lose some. And, you know, I, I'll take this with it. You know, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports and David Aldridge uh, shared this with me uh, back in February. They don't actually keep score. There's not actually a scoreboard of what you got right versus what you got wrong. You know, and, that, and that's something that I've really sat back and reflected on since we're home. Um, <laughs> say what they want to say, but, you know, I, I do think I'm more right than I'm wrong. So you, you, gotta, you, take some, you, you take the wins and the losses the same way. You just got to remain the same. And I laugh when I when I see people trying to bring up an old tweet that you sent out or something like that because for those exact reasons, a you're human, b things change, and then c I laugh mostly because you're putting yourself out there on the limb to try to you know enlighten the, the community, and these people out here just trying to wait for an opportunity to chip it away. And if you're looking for a problem, you'll find one. So I, I like I said, I love the way you handle it because you always respond. It's with a Bible verse or just a humble response, like "Hey man, keep it moving." Like you know, that's what it is. I I, I often uh, have to find myself. Not coming, not to your defense, but kind of saying like, man, let me see your predictions. Like, let me see what your record is and your predictions. Because it, it's always the guy who's never trying to step out of the limb, goes chalk with everything that they say that wants to try to challenge somebody such as yourself, who is, again, more plugged in than they would even imagine. Um, and they're trying to challenge you on what, you know, your, again, prediction. It's not like you're saying this is definitively what it will be. This is, they got to say the nature of the business, more or less. For sure. You know, and, and, and it's funny because I had posted something on Instagram the other day. It was like a picture um, with people standing in line. I'm pulling it up now while I'm talking to you. I'm stalling a little bit. But basically, <laughs> there's, there's three lines. You know, there's a line on the left, far left, where uh, it says critic, and that line goes out the door. <laughs> then next to the critic is talker. And that line is a little shorter. And then next to talker is doer. Mm. And it's like three people in that line because they're on the phone, they're on the computer, they're, they're walking to work. Like, you know, I'm, I guess... Uh, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing, like, you know, there's a lot of people that talk. There's a lot of people that have a lot of critique. And sometimes I look at myself, man, like, I could be doing more. You know, it's it's not just a pointing a finger like, y'all, you guys are here and I'm there. Like, you know, we could all be doing something. But listen, man, critics, that line does go out the door. And, um, you know, the only critics that I know that made a ton of money is, like, Ebert and Rope or Sister. Unless <laughs> you get them kind of checks, leave me alone. Oh, I love it. Love it. That's why I had to ask you. It wasn't to try to bl- I literally love the way you handle it. And that's why I, because Twitter, man, is so full of nasty and, and venom and people just waiting to get their, their lick back, basically. And you kind of just like, yeah, whatever, man, go on about your business. You know, we do what I mean, we do. But, but listen, sometimes you, you have to step into a room and remind people who you are. Too. <laughs> you, sometimes you, sit, you, you stand on the world to let them swing. But listen, man, Rocky's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to be swinging but for so long. I'm, I'm going to start getting by. So, you know, at the end of the day, man, like, it's, it's, it's all fun. It's entertainment. But the difference between them and me is this. Like, this is actually, like, I am who I am. Like, it, this, is, this is a hobby to troll me. Um, this is my job. And, I, 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 like, I tell people all the time, like, yo, like, how would y'all like it if I came into your job and trolled you? Yeah. Don't right. let me get your desk number. <laughs> so you are the first thing smoking over there. <laughs> I heard that. Now, has that affected how you uh, or what you share at all? Yeah, I think I'm I'm a lot more cautious, um, and I'll put things out that I, in, in theory, and suppose it, and then expand on it a lot more later, mm-hmm. just because you know people can change their mind, you know. And I, and this is what I add, like, you know, 2018 when I put that KD stuff out. Uh, I had never had anything of that magnitude out. 
like that. That was a that huge hit. one, bro. That was huge. <laughs> like that hit ESPN. That 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 that's 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 crazy, you know. So <laughs> I think now it's a learning experience. Like I'm I'm still young, I'm still growing, but at the same time, like I said, like you know, I think my body of work uh, should speak for itself, and I think that um, I'm going to continue to get better. And I'll add that you know I think. <clears throat> predictions and, and, and what you're hearing from sources and things of that sort, like that could be like a, that's, that could be like selling drugs or like a drug. You got to be careful because are you doing it to be seen or are you doing it because this is what you know you like? So I think, you know, I've kind of made some, some strides and transitions as it relates to not just predictions to what I'm hearing, but you know, solid interviews that people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's been the case you know, throughout this whole pandemic of just um, putting out quality stuff via the Scoopy Radio podcast, which, you know, burned the 2.1 million streams last year. You know, we've had anybody from Shaq to, uh, over the coronavirus pandemic, Shaq to uh, Kendall Gill to uh, Stefan Marbury to um, Ira Antelis, who was the producer of the, or composer of the, like, Mike Gatorade wow. commercial or the Gatorade song and, you know, like, and more, like, it's not just that Phil Handy, Los Angeles Lakers assistant coach was on there the other day, like, yeah, man, like, things that people want to hear, and, um, you know, so, I, like, yeah, I'm having fun with this, it's not just that prediction thing, like, yeah. Love it, love it, okay, now, so you mentioned ESPN, talk to me about seeing yourself on television, on the ESPN, and not just on ESPN and stuff, because, again, you've been in this for a while now, so it's kind of a, the natural progression, but you crossed over, quote-unquote, to CNN and Al Jazeera and VH1. What does that do for the confidence and, and knowing that you're on the right path? Well, the VH1 thing was more just right place, right time. I think um, uh, I know uh, a couple of the, the uh, characters on the Black Ink show, and I actually was doing an interview um, with uh, – a couple of characters there and I just happened to be right place right time um, but as it relates to like uh, you know CNN you know it's you know just giving commentary MSNBC this, I think the MSNBC stuff was, was along the time along the lines of you know with LeBron James and, and President Trump were going at it mm-hmm. uh, and, and just right place right time good good booking and the right people making shows out at, at the right place so you know I have to shout out my team for you know really giving me in the right place right time and over the last two years, it's just been a progression. I mean, it's crazy. Even like that day, like uh, one of my right hand men, uh, Eric, he he had to wake me up that morning because I was so busy preparing for that spot on MSNBC that day. Like I overslept. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that. If you look at the pen tweet on my Twitter, like yeah, lying about President Trump. Like I was up preparing that line, and then, <laughs> like literally, like I had laid out my clothes. Like the first day of school. <laughs> yeah, and then the car was there calling, 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 and what ended up happening is, like, I, I, I didn't even get a chance to, like, <laughs> take a shower that morning. I had sweats on, and, like, I carried my, my suit and everything to, um, you know, to, in the car. I mean, the car outside waiting for me, you know, and then had to do what I needed to do. But, like, yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't have made it to, to, to everything see without my guy, Eric, you know, making sure I, I woke up because, like, Man, I was so excited, but at the same time, like, yo, I was almost uninvited, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, just right place, right time, man, honestly. And then the, the pinnacle for anybody who's, uh, who, who covers sports is to be make it to a video game. You made it to 2K. Talk to me about how that felt. I mean, it was cool. My player, uh, Mo, uh, on the NBA 2K uh, games, you know, it's been, I've been on there since 
you know, 2019, 20, since last season. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, you get people tag you on social media like, yo, I just saw you on here. Like, you know, you got random kid from Brazil or you know, a, a, a random kid from uh, Kansas or random kid from, you know, just various places like shouting you out and tagging you that. It's cool. Um, I've been, a, I, I, but I'm not just on it for the cloud. Like I, I played NBA 2K since it was on Sega Dreamcast. And I just, you know, yes, sir. That was what 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Okay. Well, we are joined by Brandon Scoopy Robinson. He is on Twitter at Scoop B. He is on Facebook at Scoop B. He's on Instagram at Scoop underscore B. And we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna switch gears and talk to him about what's going on today in the NBA or what could be going on in the NBA. Be right back to the Hey, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. But there's also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no listener minimums. I mean, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. We are back on Triple Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buckhalter. Again, follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. Hit up the website, clockersports.com. And the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. I am pleased to still be joined by Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. We just got done talking about his backstory and what got him to this point. Now we're switching gears, and I want to ask him about what's going on in the NBA. As we know, like I told you at the start, uh, there's been nothing going on for the better part of two months. However, recently there have been talks about trying to restart the season. They've been discussing centralized locations such as Disney World, putting players in a bubble um, and, and getting personnel and everything like that. So I want to ask you, Brandon, what is the latest that you've been hearing about a possible restart in the NBA? Well, all along there was the conversation about uh, the NBA making some sort of decision between the 15th and the 20th uh, news today uh, as reported by uh, the Athletics. Uh, Sham Sharania indicated that you know, the NBA could be making a decision within the next two to four weeks. Um, and during that time frame between March 11th and March 12th and now is, you know, just gathering information. Uh, what I can share with you was there has been dialogue anywhere from, you know, resuming a season sometime between the month of June, July, August, um, and, you know, resuming the season uh, and play, maybe playing six to eight more games and then going into playoffs. And so with that being said, you know, I use this analogy on every show. Um, first of all, I'm not a doctor. I'm a <laughs> There's just many things that change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can share with you is that, um, you know, teams like the Memphis Grizzlies who are in the eighth seed, you know, has, has the, the, the advantage over a Portland Trailblazers team who's on the outside looking in. You know, so you, you look at a situation where you know, guys first got to get in, into some type of game shape uh, or, or have some sort of training camp to kind of reignite, you know, where they were. Um, I think that's 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 a point of emphasis there. But then, in addition to that, you, you do discuss you know venues. Uh, number one, it, it's likely that they'll play without fans for for a while if people are figuring out you know this, this cure or uh, some type of vaccine and more. Uh, but then, in addition to that, um, venue you know Vegas has been uh, you know proactive and trying to make pitches to you know secure some place on, on a Vegas strip. Um, where yeah, guys could be isolated and do what they need to do. But then, additionally to that, Disney World is another uh, a potential venue 
uh, Keith Smith of, of Yahoo Sports appeared on the Scoopy Radio podcast last week and discussed. He, he was a, a Disney employee for about 20 years, and he, you know, was was discussing various scenarios within his Disney uh, network, and basically, um, you know, they discussed how they can make it happen. You look at the villas that are in Disney World. It's almost like college campus, like you hear the NBA discussing like a college campus type of situation. So you, you, you seat those people at Disney and, you know, make those things happen there. But then you have the Disney Wide World of Sports uh, arena that's there, which would be a perfect venue to make that happen. If you look at Vegas, the MGM Grand uh, or, or, or the MGM um, or rather just various places like they play Summer League in Vegas. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a relationship there as well but when you look at disney to me it's a perfect synergy because you know, they have a disney nba situation already if it's not tv it's in radio then it's actually like themed uh, situations at disney that you know kind of correspond with everything the nba and disney are trying to do so um you know those are the things that are being talked about there's a lot of ideas being passed around I mean, even look at brooklyn nets uh, guard spencer denwitty you know who proposed kind of doing a a, a kind of a rotisserie playoff situation kind of like a bracket in the in, in in college basketball we didn't have an ncaa season this year how interesting how cool how unique would it be to play one game and then you know you go from elimination round to elimination round um you know and, and potentially play when you have all teams in the nba potentially playing there's 64 teams that play in the ncaa tournament there's what 30 teams in the nba the tournament might be interesting it gives it gives the teams that Man, I mean, imagine if like the Pistons or the Knicks or like the Indiana Pacers, you know, were in that type of situation. The Pacers have dealt with injuries and they have an all-star with Donatus Sabonis and, mm-hmm. you know, Victor Oladipo's getting healthy. And, you know, it, it's not just the usual suspects in the Lakers and, you know, even, you know, the Clippers or, or the Milwaukee Bucks that could just go in and potentially make that happen. Like it, it's, it's a wide, vast range of competition and there's a lot of things being considered. Like I said, no doctor, right? Uh, but I do know whisper down the lane, and 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 you know that the NBA league office is being proactive and trying to figure something out to salvage the season. And then you got tests; you got to mm-hmm. constantly test guys. So that, that's the the health side of it too, like readily available tests, testing every couple of days, and you know, just you know, do you bring your families with you during this whole situation? Like, you know, it's a lot to consider. And you know, I think the NBA will try to be proactive in whichever way. You know, it is. I, I've spoken to people like maybe two, three weeks ago that said it was the 60 40 chance that there could be a season. I mean, 60% no, 40% yes. So things are changing every day. And, you know, I, I think that um, it, it seems that they're trying to come up with something. And that's kind of my next question. Where would you expect the biggest divide to be? Is it from the top guys? Like we recently had reports today about uh, a lot of the top players in the league Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kawhi, um, Russell Westbrook, like all the top guys were on the call with Chris Paul. And I guess the, the feeling was from that call is that they wanted, they're in favor of restarting. Do you see there being a bigger divide between the top-level guys wanting to go? Because, you know, if you're a top-level guy, you're probably, you tend to be older, so you don't have as much time left. Do you see that being the bigger divide? Or is it uh, uh, just a contender versus non-contender thing? I think it's the contender versus non-contender. You know, you, you look at the – you look at – <laughs> you you hear Steph Curry not having any conversation right now. You know the Warriors are in last place. You're not mm-hmm. hearing much from the Knicks. Um, so it's a, it's a situation where you know it, it's it's um, figuring out the, the the best the best situation. But you know if there's a situation where it's it's seedless playoff, then you know look at the Warriors and look at how they've had the ability to get healthy. 
So <laughs> it, I think that that team. I mean, you you figure the Clay play, right? You know, then you look at the Nets. Team like Brook. Right, there you go. There you go. KD coming back. You know, you look at the Nets. You know, you look at Kyrie Irving. I'll tell you, Kyrie's been out in Arizona working out with uh, the same trainer who trained um, uh, Jason Kidd. Now, oh wow, in Arizona. So you know, he's getting right after that. So uh, shoulder surgery, thoracic bursitis, which he had, and he had cortisone shots. You know, during December, and then ended up having surgery. So you know, this time is giving certain people you know, the opportunity to get right. And then, look, if they have it at Disney, the Magic have the home field advantage. Right. They don't have to move around too much. Right. You know, so, you know, they're an AC. So there's just a lot of, a lot of factors. But, you know, it, 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 there's, there's one, I think once they figure out what's what it's from a league side, then, you know, I think that whether you're a non-contender that's going to be in a rotisserie league, hypothetically, then, you know, the Warriors have to have – are going to be the, the bane of many people's existence. But then if you, you look at it, if it's just a traditional top 18, you know, number one, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have had more time to rest. Giannis mm-hmm. Antetokounmpo was hurt, you know, right before, you know, the, the um, you know, the thing before the, the hiatus. And, you know, you look at the Lakers and you look at, you know, just somebody like Deion Waiters who hasn't played a game yet. He got right. that check right before. <laughs> he <sure> did. <laughs> It was really an opportunity for guys to really, uh, you know, figure it out. Now, how do you think this will affect the offseason, free agency and coaching searches? Do you think this will lead to a a more uh, conservative offseason, or do you think it will just kind of go on as usual if they do get the season on? I mean, it depends on when they start. So, like, you look at a situation where the draft, you know, like the draft combine and some of those things have have been shuffled and moved around, like, you know, the, the draft is going to be late June, and are you going to be playing basketball while the draft is going on? Or right. Are you, are you are you going to, you know, and then, okay, say the season ends hypothetically, say August or September, do you start training camp right after that, or do you wait till December? Because then you look at that situation, it's like, do you kind of repeat what you did after the second lockout, where you start the season on Christmas Day, and then you go on to do what you need to do, and then once that's done, you go back to, you know, the way things were, because really you're talking about a two-year process of, right. of normalcy all over again. Right. You know, so I, I just think, you know, to answer your question, uh, it's an incomplete on my report card right now because you just have to figure Scoop out what's B next. Radio. You know, you got guys in the NBA draft or going to the draft who haven't had time to go to the combine in Chicago every year, who have not, who are going to be doing workouts through Zoom, you know, and, 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 and you know, does that affect the draft side? You have a, a draft where guys have not played in the NCAA tournament. And you're you're basing it off of YouTube. You're basing it off of Intel. Like I'm sure, you know, to 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 have a, a like the the NFL had an advantage of actually having combines and actually having mm-hmm. you know some sort of interviews and things of like that sort. The NBA is doing this without that advantage. Um, so you're, you're dealing or you're 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 depending a lot on it on Intel. You're looking at video throughout the course of the season. Um, and, you know, I think it's just going to be a very different process. And I think we're going to look back on it and be like, hmm. Um, so I, I think when you look at the season and what, what's happening at large, like, um, I don't think that's that, – I, I think guys are just going to play. Like, I think once they play and settle in, it, it'll be some sense of normalcy but if they play. But at the same right. time, I think they're going to have to shift some scheduling around as well. Yeah, I was I was thinking about with the draft coming up. Like you said, the, the NFL had the luxury of having combine stuff. With the NBA not having that, in a year that's already not – there's no consensus number one player, 
Um, that's just going to add to the confusion. Usually you have one, one or two players who have some intrigue around them, and that kind of helps their case. And, you know, team gets a little antsy and tries to take them. And this one, everybody's a mystery because there's no tournament tape on them. You have, um, you know, uh, uh, you didn't, you didn't get to run them through any private workouts or anything like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the one that I think is bigger to me. I, I, the offseason, I think it kind of – I'm with you in that we have to see when they start playing. But if they do start playing, I think it will go on um, – relatively regularly it's the draft that i think is the is the most curious because there's been no extra contact outside of uh, regular the draft season. and free agency like honestly could you imagine um if free agency last summer was this summer particularly <sighs> because all of the, the big names that were you know uh coming out and all the money that was being you know exchanged i think that this off season free agency is is, is different uh the biggest name um, that is a free agent is Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, many people believe that is a foregone conclusion that he's doing in the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, is another name as well. But, you know, and, and, and you know, some people think he'll stay with Milwaukee, so we'll see. But, you know, another name that, you know, people should be paying attention to is Fred Van Vliet uh, of mm. the Toronto Raptors. You know, there's been talks that you know, the Knicks have interest. I know many people have said that you know the 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 the, uh, the Knicks have interest in Chris Paul because of the Leon Rose connection from way back. Uh, but you know, when do you make those? Th- I think there's some this, like if the draft is June and the season is going on in like July, August, or somewhere in the summer, like you're going to have to amend the free agency period. Do you ship mm-hmm. it to September, October? Like those are things that you have to consider too. If if there's a season, right? If still <laughs> top of the world, we're talking a lot of scenarios for those who are listening. Um, you know, we're talking different scenarios. There's nothing that's concrete. Things can change. Things right. can be fluid. But, you know, in hypotheticals, you may have to move some things around because of just the timing of what's going on. Right. Now, I see you wearing a jersey, okay? Uh, have you heard any rumors about the Bulls and the head coaching search? Um, everybody in the Chicagoland area is waiting for Jim Boylan to officially get the ax. Um, they have been holding out. Rumors are that they've been holding out until there's official cancellation of the season or determination made, and that um, if they do cancel, that he will be gone. I have personally been lobbying for uh, Kenny Atkinson to take his place. We've also heard the name Adrian Griffith be uh, banded about a lot. Have you heard anything in connection to this position possibly coming open? I will tell you that the whole Jim Boylan thing is interesting. Um, Throughout the course of this season, uh, Jim is somebody that I um, have gotten to know quite a bit. Uh, You mentioned just the Bulls and – I'm in and out of Chicago a lot, doing different things with uh, Zenny Optical and, uh, and as a brand ambassador, and they made a special sponsor of the Bulls. And, um, you know, during just working as an NBA reporter, but also doing different, you know, segmented things with Zenny, I've got a chance to really talk to Jim. And one of the things that I said to him, I think Jim gets a bad rap um, because he's got a young team who is not used to a player or rather a coach holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I look at the Jim Boylan situation, kind of look at it like Brooklyn uh, with um, Jacques Vaughn. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference is Jacques Vaughn is 2-0 as an interim head coach. Jim Boylan and, 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 and the, and the uh, Bulls, you know, at times were battling for that eighth spot. Right. And I think that um, the Bulls are getting healthy. You know, I think the Bulls need to figure out or, or have the responsibility of, figuring out, you know, if not Zach Levine, then who? Um, they need a couple of, of complimentary pieces. I don't think that has much to do with coaching as it does just young folks and personnel. So I'm not ready to call for Jim Boylan's job yet. Um, but I do think that to answer your question about Kenny Atkinson, 
Um, you know, I think Kenny Atkinson was in a situation with Brooklyn where he, he over um, performed, mm. and they didn't have a reason to, to, to fire him pre Kyrie and KD. Um, and you know, let some people tell it. You know, he was brought in to be fired to bring back Jason Kidd. Mm. Not a conclusion that Jason Kidd will become a head coach of the Nets. You know, there are some other candidates that are out there, but to keep it Chicago, like, you know, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a guy that would develop some young talent because I still think that the, the Bulls are a young team. Kobe mm-hmm. White uh, uh, is on that team. You know, early in the season, there were people discussing the potential rookie of the year candidacy. Kendrick Nunn and, you know, Zion Williamson and, and, and John Morant may have a thing or two to say about that. But, you know, Kobe White is, is finding his groove within, you know, the Chicago Bulls system, you know. Um, Zach Levine is coming of age in that regard. And I think what's interesting about Zach Levine is, um, you know, many people look at him as just a high flyer. I think he is beginning to transition into, you know, a, a fundamentally sound player that does more than just dunks. Like, it's crazy because, you know, people kind of were upset that he didn't participate in the slam dunk contest. And I talked to him about that. He said, you know, um, I, I don't mind, you know, participating in a three-point shootout. I don't mind, you know, kind of just giving rest to my legs. I think he's playing with playing the long game and playing smart and, you know, figuring out what's next. And I think that, you know, he is the, is the focal point in that Bulls team, you know, is, is beginning to make that long-term, you know, focus. You know, this is a guy that's, you know, we have injuries and, you know, he's now on the right in the straight and narrow. You know, I think this guy's limited to the Bulls, but I think they need to figure out, like you said, their coaching situation. They just brought in a new general manager, and, you know, that, that's highly recommended during the Philadelphia 76ers uh, organization. And, you know, Elton Brand is a, is a dear friend of mine. And, you know, I, I can tell you that um, Elton thinks the world of, 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 uh, of him. And, you know, I, I just think that the Bulls are figuring a lot out. And what better time to kind of get things in order with, with, a, with a big documentary that has been the talk of the town, The Last Dance. So we'll see what happens. And Zach is one of the most polarizing sports figures in Chicago history. Um, he's he's kind of up there with Jay Cutler to me, where he's he's the best you've had in a long time. And uh, the it, the – Criticism he gets might not necessarily be uh, equal to what he's actually given you, considering what you have. But you you touched on our our last topic here before we get you gone. Um, have you been watching the Last Dance? Come on now. All right, all right. <laughs> what are your thoughts about it? Because I came into it first of all. Um, I, I the first three Pete, I was too young to really understand right the workings of it. I could watch it and kind of see it and celebrate. It, but the second three Pete. I was aware um, when they showed the episode of the science last this past Sunday, I got excited because that was like my time, the 96, that was my time. Um, but what are your thoughts on it so far? Has it, has it enlightened you to anything or have, have you enjoyed it overall? What have you, what have you taken away so far? Um, there's a lot that I knew just from being around the bulls and, 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 and everything during the 97, 98 season. I've actually had Scott Burrell uh, on the Scooby Radio podcast. I had him on like a week before the, the documentary hit and I've been in touch with my buddy, uh, Jason Caffey. Mm. Who's on that. Mm-hmm. So for me, like it's kind of just like a, a, a revisit of, of just my first year, you know, being around the NBA, you know, like I had my, my sister find a pair of size 16 sneakers that Luke Longley gave me when I was like 12 and posted that on Instagram the other day. Like for me, it was kind of just like a refresher course. Just like Michael dusted off those Air Jordan ones at the garden, and I dusted off there. Yeah, Luke Longley, like, <laughs> no, I honestly uh, and really and truly, when I look at this documentary, I think you know the '97, '98 season it wouldn't do it justice to just profile just that team in '97, '98. You have to go back and forward, and, and, and it's 
you know, I, I think that it could be confusing to people who maybe this is their first time sitting down, you know, getting to know who Michael is. But, you know, you have to understand the context of, you know, the shrug game. Mm-hmm. Matthew Johnson told me, you know, recently that, you know, he and Michael had been playing Big Wiz the night before with, with Michael's dad. And, you know, Magic was, was destroying Michael in that card game. And, you know, Magic's like, yo, don't you have to go to bed? Don't you have a game against Portland the next day? And Magic at that time was you know, doing TV for the NBA on NBC uh, as a color commentator. And, you know, when he shrugged after he hit that shot against, you know, Cliff Robinson, for those who were paying attention, he hit six three-pointers against the yes, Portland Blazers in, in the 92 finals. Like, you know, I'm shrugging at Magic from what Magic says. was like, man, look, I couldn't win that game yesterday in cards, but I, I, I'm cooking for the Blazers <laughs> today. So, you know, I, I legitimately think, man, that, you know, the Bulls and, and just the, the, the iconicness that they are is interesting because – and I was at the press conference um, the, the day that you know, the Bulls had, had uh, announced their signing with uh, Zeni or their partnership with Zeni Optical. And you know, my buddy Sean paid over at Zeni said, said it best. He said, you know, the Bulls are an iconic franchise. And for certain people, you had to get used to hearing that because that was our childhood. Like mm-hmm. we were coming up the same way people were you know, memorializing or, or being ceremonious and, you know, giving the Bulls they just do now, they were doing that for our parents with the clip with the with the Celtics and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And so I think sliding into that, you know, belief that the Bulls are iconic franchise, that documentary showed why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know Showtime Lakers. We know that Magic and Bird saved the league in seventy nine. Um and, and the NBA wasn't, you know, at the forefront mm-hmm. then. Man. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that that could get lost in translation. I also think that they need to do a documentary on that Houston Rockets team. Um, yes. Because that, those two years when Michael was gone, like a lot of questions that need to be answered, you know? So, you know, I just look at that Bulls documentary overall. I, I'm, I'm pleased with it. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the last couple of episodes and, you know, the, the aftermath on it. So with this, with it being released early and pushed up and the story behind why it got pushed up and, and why it got okay to be made rather, um, that you know where this is going. It's brought the trolls out on Twitter and everybody's getting uh, rehashing the, the, the GOAT debate. So I have to get Scoop B's take. Who is the GOAT? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mmm, okay, okay. See, here's my thing when people say Kareem. I don't, I can't argue with it per se, but when you bring him up, then you're, I'm, I'm assuming then you're going back to his college days. Not just college, going back to high school. Okay. See, but that's that's where my that's where my issue comes in. If we got to go back that far, that we're making special exceptions, we talking about the NBA goat. The NBA goat to me, Michael. If you're talking, if you're trying to get me to say Michael, no, I'm not. I'm just. I want you to honest answer. And if it's Kareem, that's fine. I just. I'm just. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. No, all joking aside, I think when you when you make when you make those Michael, Kobe, LeBron comparisons, you have to give it context. Michael is, the, is my goal because I grew up watching Michael play. Um, but at the same time, Kobe was, was the closest to Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we're not basing it just off of championships. I think Kobe was a better three-point shooter than Michael, but Michael was superior in other categories. You know, many people get mad about LeBron and talk about the fact that he lost all these NBA finals. I mean, Kobe lost some too. Right. He lost to Detroit. Right. Um, he, he lost to Boston, you know. But at the same time, like, you know, some people argue, well, who did Michael and the Bulls play? It's been said on my podcast, Gary Vitti, former trainer, Lakers trainer, you know, said that he felt like, you know, the Bulls played a, a, a Charles Barkley that had back injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, he played against a, a, a Lakers team 
uh, with Magic and Vladdy Divac and Elvin Campbell and some of those other guys that Magic sure. was in his career. He right. said that. I didn't say that. So, <laughs> I think the best competition that the Bulls had in the finals was against the Seattle Supersonics. I mm-hmm. think that was the best competition. The, 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 the Jazz were up there. You know, yeah, but they were older at that point in time, too, though. Exactly. They were older, you know, in the years before, you know, and then after the Jazz had their run, 97, 98, San Antonio had their reign, and then mm-hmm. L.A., the Lakers. So, you know, when I look at that situation with, you know, to, to strictly go to the, the Michael, Kobe, and LeBron debate, um, I, I don't think that – I think that LeBron is not mentioned in that category only because LeBron is more Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson than he is Michael. Um, I, I think many of times we get caught in just alpha male and just mm-hmm. comparison. Like, you know, LeBron was more, was, was a, was a pass first six, eight guy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, and to be honest with you, as much as I say the Oscar Robertson and, and, and magic uh, comparisons, I also think there are flashes of, of, um, Scottie Pippen in there. There are mm-hmm. flashes of Ted Hardaway in there. I think he was a more chiseled, muscular better jump shooter um, version uh, of, of Magic Johnson. You know, I, I think, you know, Scottie Pippen, as much as Michael Jordan was, was iconic, um, Scottie Pippen and Penny Hardaway, uh, as well as Jalen Rose and Jamal Mashburn, uh, had impact on culture and guys wanted to be point forwards and carry the ball up mm-hmm. and you know, play defense and, you know, and play help side defense against the team's best player. You know, I, I look at LeBron in that vein. I think, but I think body type, um, the way Kobe and, and, and Michael were built, uh, that 6'6", 6'7", 210, 218 frame, um, th- their defensive stances, um, the way that they shoot the ball, fall, fall back jumper, fadeaway, uh, post-up game. Uh, Whole bag of tricks. All of that. It, yeah. it, it's all, it's more similar. Uh, Mad, but, but LeBron is a different conversation because LeBron is a throwback of so many other mm-hmm. players that came before him with his own style. Um, so, you know, to me in, in my lifetime, I'm, I'm glad that the coronavirus pandemic, although unfortunate, has given people time to sit and really watch what's going on and why Michael Jordan had the impact that he had. Because if it wasn't for Michael Jordan's sneaker deal um and and his and his the way that he set the tone some of the things that guys are doing now would not be possible thanks um, and if it wasn't for kobe bryant who carried on that baton guys like lebron and Cole and, and Kyrie and kevin Durant would not have the free range with sneakers that they have and that the, the international appeal too like michael got michael got us overseas but yeah exactly exactly yes um, I, I, I kind of fibbed. I have one more question because you brought them up a couple times, your, your uh, endorsement with, with Zinni. How many frames do you own? Because your frame game is off the chain, sir. I, I peeped the, the pinned uh, tweet on your face, on your Twitter with the red frames. You got these on. I've seen n- numerous different pairs. How many do you have? Um, you know, it's crazy. I, I've, I've given some away. Um, so I, I would say, honestly, maybe 30 to 50 and growing at one point, maybe more. But and the funny thing is, I actually don't wear glasses. <laughs> that was my next question. That's awesome. Because <laughs> I would have swore you do. You have them on all the time. So I'll say that um, back in like 2012, 2013, uh, I, I finished grad school in 2011 from Hofstra, and I was living in my grandmother's basement, you know, figuring out next moves. 
Classic story. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, collecting unemployment on food stamps, figuring out next moves in and out of Manhattan, doing interviews, going to every networking function, party, and just, you know, grinding. You know, just because I had an early start didn't mean I have to grind, but I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted something to I was self conscious. I wanted to detract, you know, the bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get them. I know. So I, I would I would catch the train. And um, basically, you know, before I would catch the train, stop at the mall, at the at a mall nearby, and um, I would get some type of frames. And what ended up happening was I connected with a guy uh, that I mentioned earlier, who, who and who basically connected the dots with Zenny, and um, you know, wanted me to do some brand ambassador stuff. You know, I can tell you that Zenny Optical is, um, you know affordable frames um and that they're more than just for fashion like you're in front of a computer a lot so you need the blue blocks yes um, that allow you to to block all the rays that are from the screen uh even if you're driving you know you're able to kind of keep those frames and and just it just it just brings it all together so um for me i've gotten a lot of education on the blue blocks and why those rays you know why you're looking at your phone and computer screen and why that stuff is harmful and same time like um, it's kind of crazy how I went from protecting bags or from blocking bags under my eyes to, you know, trying to get a bag and create a bag. To- <laughs> it's, and it's a signature look now, man. I don't know. I don't, you got to keep them now. You can't, you can't switch it up at this point. <laughs> Very Craig Sager-like. So, <laughs> so we're going to stick with it for a while. That's what's up. Brandon Scoopy Robinson, thank you so much for joining me on Triple Zeros, man. You've been an awesome guest. Just as awesome as I thought you would be. Thank you, man. Thank you for the opportunity to be myself. Always and anytime. I hope to have you back. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me again on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at uh, Clock Sports. Hit up the website, clocksports.com. And the email address is clocksports.gmail.com. Until the very next time, you already know. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! 